for the last couple of weeks, I've been coming up here ready to preach. And I don't know what's going on, but it looks like every week my iPad gets blurrier and blurrier. You know what I'm saying? I think I'm having technical difficulties with the iPad, you know, or I don't know if it's my eyes, you know. Um, but I came up with my glasses, my reading glasses. They told me I needed reading glasses, you know. So uh, when I'm at home and I'm reading and I'm preparing these uh, messages and doing my studies, I use my glasses. So I brought them and I have them here just in case. All right. I don't want to scare anybody, but this is how I look with glasses. All right. All right. Just in case. Uh, oh, look, it's not blurry anymore. Um, I could actually see this pretty good here this morning. But anyways, uh, I'm going to try to to not have to use them. But if I have to use them, I just have them here handy uh, just in case. All right. Church, we are in a series. Uh, we started a couple of weeks ago uh, called The Best Fruit. Okay, and in this series, we're talking about something that I really believe is so needed in the body of Christ today that we would be aware of. All right. And we're talking about the fruit of the spirit. Can you say that with me? The fruit, the fruit of the, of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. All right. Now you might be you know, coming here today, maybe you're new, you're watching and you're like, Pastor, what in the world is the fruit of the Spirit? Okay, I'm going to tell you what this means. I want to tell you, maybe using uh, this example, let's imagine that your life and my life is like a field. Our lives are like fields, all right? And God is coming and He's sowing seeds into our lives, all right? And those seeds are going to spread out and they're going to grow, all right? And that is the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. It's what He is sowing in us through His Holy Spirit, all right? And it's the result of His presence in our lives. It's a result of God's presence in our life, Him becoming real in each of us, all right? Now, what is the harvest or what is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, it's in Galatians chapter 5, all right? And this has been our key scripture for this series. So I'm going to ask you guys to go there with me, Galatians 5, all right? And we're going to go to verse 22 and 23, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And it says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things, all right? So... Last week, my wife spoke about three of these qualities, okay, of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and a message that she called it living by the Spirit. Now, she said something. She goes, my husband's going to hit on the other ones in the next coming week. So today I'm calling it, this is what I'm calling living by the Spirit part two, all right? Very simple, all right? Living by the Spirit part two because... There's other, okay, qualities that we need to look into today, all right? And I'm going to focus on three more today and how God wants to produce that in each of our lives. And you might be here like, Pastor, why does God want to do that in my life? Listen, in order so that you and I can live Christ's life here on earth. You see, God called the church to live like if it was Jesus here on earth. 
God called the church to be the hands and feet of Jesus here on earth. Yesterday I was listening to a podcast and the person in the podcast was saying how they were having an argument with God with the different things that are going on in the world today. And it's like, God, why don't you intervene? And why don't you help solve the situations that are going on? And God told the person, I already did. And the person's like, you have not. Look at all these issues. And God said, yes, I have. I send you into the world. You are in the world right now to help solve the issues and the problems that are going on. So don't say, oh, God is not doing anything about it. He put you and me here to do something about it. You and I are supposed to make a difference. And the only way we could do that, guys, is if the Holy Spirit is working in our lives and producing his fruit in us. Because let me tell you something. The world doesn't want to see Chris. The world don't need to see Chris. All right? Sometimes I don't want to see myself, you know? You know who the world needs to see? The world needs to see Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's what the Bible says. And the way that that happens is through his fruit in each of our lives. All right. And like that, we're going to make an impact for God wherever we go. Starting at home, guys. All right. Starting at home. Okay. Starting in our neighborhood, starting at our work, at our school. That's where we start. All right. So today, focusing on these three qualities, I'm going to hit number one. Write this down. Love. Okay. Love, that's one of the qualities of the fruit of the Spirit, okay? It says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love is the first one. Now, when we're going to talk about love in the Bible, okay, in the New Testament, there are three words for the word love. It's not like us in English, okay, or in Spanish, that we just have one word for love, and that's it. And we just sort of like try to put everything into that, you know? So that's why we love so many things. I mean, we love our cat. We love our car. We love Cheesecake Factory. And we love our kids. And we love our wives. And uh, if you love your wife the same way you love your cat, you're in trouble, guys. <laughs> so in the Greek language, there were three words for love. And depending on what you were trying to communicate, you would use one of those three words. All right. Now, the word that the Bible uses here for love that the fruit of the Spirit produces is the word in Greek, agape. Okay, can you say that with me? Agape. All right, now you guys are speaking Greek, guys. All right, you guys come to Numa, you learn new languages, you know, and it's amazing. All right, so the word agape, all right, and what this word means, all right, oh, this is gonna be, this is gonna be good, all right, it's a love that seeks the highest good of others. It's a love that seeks the highest good of others. In other words, it's not a love that is looking to see how I could please myself. What's good for me? No, you're looking for the benefit of others. It's a love that is looking outward and not inward. I want you to come with me to your Bible to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 12. 1 John 4, 7 through 12. And uh, 1 John is all the way at the end of the Bible. It's a small little letter that the Apostle John wrote. Almost very close to, to the book of Revelation right at the end. And uh, John, okay, was one of those three disciples that were very close to Jesus, all right? There were three disciples that were super duper close to Jesus, 
Okay, those three disciples were John, Peter, and James. And a lot of us might think, why were these guys closer to Jesus than the other guys? You know what I'm saying? Weren't there like 12 in total? Why were these three? You know, I came to a conclusion this week about this. And I told my wife about it, all right? You know why these three were closer to Jesus and the other three? I'm going to give you an example. We just have, we just got a few weeks ago a puppy at home, all right? We already had a dog and a cat, and now we have another puppy, all right? To add to four kids that we have and a church. And uh, it could get pretty hectic sometimes at home. And this little puppy, all right, she's in that stage that she wants to bite everything. Uh, so she sees the baseboards and she wants to eat the baseboards of the house, you know. And she sees something hanging and she wants to go and eat whatever it is. And if it's furniture, she wants. And then she'll jump on my older dog and start biting her. And she'll bite the cat and the cat will start running. And I'm like, this is crazy. This is crazy. So you know what I'm doing? Every time that I have to go out, you know what I do? I bring her with me. She's here today. She's in a room back there. I couldn't leave her alone at church because I don't know if I'll find my other dog when I get home, you know? And I told my wife, this little dog, I have a prayer room at home, okay? My cat doesn't go in the prayer room, even though sometimes she sneaks in there, all right? My other dog does not go in the prayer room. This one goes to my prayer room every day with me. And she's there, why? Because if I leave her outside of the prayer room, I don't know what's going to happen when I go out of the prayer room. And I figured out something about the Bible, You know why Jesus always had Peter, James, and John with him all the time? Because if he would leave those three cats alone, the ministry might be done with by the time he come back down from the mountain. So if your pastor, all right, or your small group leader tells you, hey, I just need you to be by me all the time, that might say something about you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But anyways... John was one of those guys that was real close to Jesus. He knew Jesus very intimately. And look what he writes here on John 4, 7 through 12. He says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us. Remember the word there for love is agape, all right? God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, all right? This is real love. This is agape love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. He agaped us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, if we agape each other, God lives in us And his agape love, his love, is brought to full expression in us. All the times that John spoke about love there, the word is agape in the Greek. 
It's this love that is seeking the benefit of others. Not the one that is seeking, you know, a passion or a desire or nothing like that. And something very interesting that I want to mention to you. As I was reading this, it, the, you know that the Bible sometimes it sends you to, to like another verse? It sent me to 1 John 2.10 to the footnotes. And I'm like, I wonder what the footnote says. And look what it said. The footnote of that scripture, it said this. The key to understanding this and other statements about love is to know that this agape love, pay attention, is not so much a matter of emotion or feeling as it is of doing things for the benefit of another person. Okay, this is important, guys. Because according to this, okay, love is not so much an emotion or a feeling. And a lot of us think that love is a feeling or an emotion. And that's why so many of us fall in love. And if you fall in love, what could happen? You could fall out of love. Because today I feel like I love ice cream, <laughs> but tomorrow I don't love ice cream that much anymore. And that's the way we sometimes love people. I love you today, but you know what? Tomorrow it's like, well, I don't know if I love this person or not. Because we don't understand that it has nothing to do with an emotion or a feeling as much as doing, okay, what it is a benefit for the other person. Acts of kindness. Acts of love. Acts of service. In other words, church, pay attention. It is a decision. This is what it continues saying. It is a decision to be committed to the well-being of others without any conditions or circumstances. And when I read that, I was like, all right, hold on a second. Because when you get to the point, all right, that it says that it's a decision to be committed. Let me tell you, when you make a decision to be committed to something, that's it. You're committed. It's a decision you made. You're going after it, okay, and, and you're going to go and you're going to do it. And, and no matter, you know, if there's, if there's changes. And, 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 and I love this part where it says it's a commitment to the well-being of others without any condition or circumstance. You see, that's where it gets tricky. Look over here. Because the circumstances change all the time. Conditions change all the time. And if you're going to change your commitment when the circumstance changes, oh, then there's no commitment. You could just get out. But if you say, you know what? I'm committed to this person. That's how marriage is. That's the way marriage is. Okay? Marriage is about commitment. And you're committing to that person even if the circumstance change. Because at the, at the moment that you get married, oh man, the circumstances are all great. You know, I call the going out time, you know, the boyfriend and girlfriend time, the most hypocritical time in the life of a person. Why do you call that, Pastor? Because you just put the side that you want that other person to see. But then when they get married with you, it's like, what in the world happened to that person I was dating? That person's out the, out the door, the person's gone. And listen, there's a commitment that we make to love that person. And if the circumstances change, 
if that person does something, there's a commitment. And I'm going to follow through and I'm going to go through with that. And I wrote here something that to me when I was reading this, I wrote love is hard. Love is hard. Love is not easy. Love is sacrificial. Actually, John is comparing it to the sacrifice of Jesus for you and me. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus as a sacrifice. In other words, you want to love somebody, you're going to sacrifice for that person. Husbands, that means that you could be in bed, ready to go to sleep, and your wife tells you, I'm so thirsty. And you already turned to the other side and you got on the comfy side of the pillow. You know what I'm talking about, right? You finally got there. And you hear, can you get me a glass of water? Why are you laughing, babe? So being the smart man that I am, I've learned this through the years of experience. It's not that I'm that wise or anything like that. Now I sleep with a cup of water next to me on the nightstand. Just in case they tell me, can you get me a cup of water? I'm like, just reach over and just give it. Or when you're a parent and the little kid starts crying at 2 or 3 in the morning. How many of you guys remember those times? And you had to sleepwalk. You didn't even know what was going on. I remember one day, literally, this happened one day in my house, that I fall asleep outside of the crib of one of my kids on the floor. I woke up the next morning on the floor outside of the crib. I don't even remember how that happened. That's how tired I must have been. That's that sacrificial love that you go beyond, all right? Love is hard. And only the Holy Spirit Church, and I want you guys to understand it, can produce in us true and pure love. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. That's why John says, listen to this, anyone that loves is a child of God and born of God. That's what he's saying. The only way you can love this way is that you're a child of God. Because if you're a child of God, the Spirit is living inside of you. Because other than the Spirit producing it, you can produce it yourself. That's what he's saying. Whoever loves like this is a child of God. Whoever doesn't love like this, oh, is not a child of God. You can't. You can't force it. You can't produce it on your own. You can't do it. So you can't truly love, okay, the way that God wants you and I to love unless the Holy Spirit is producing that fruit in your life. That's the conclusion of that. Now, the second quality that I want to look into today, my wife took joy. I wanted to do joy, but she took joy. And I loved her so much. I'm like, you take joy. And she took uh, peace. And I'm like, all right, you do peace. And she took patience. And I wanted to do patience. But the word after that is kindness. All right? Kindness. Kindness. Say with me, kindness. Kindness is a quality that we're losing nowadays. Have you noticed that? To find people that are kind is so rare now. Especially in a city like Miami. Maybe you find kindness in other places. You know, I go to North Carolina or, you know, different places. You see people are kind. But here, kindness is like, it was like something foreign. 
But kindness is a fruit of the Spirit as well, okay? And the biblical definition of kindness, write this down, okay? Three words. Here we go. Merciful, sweet, and tender. Merciful, sweet, and tender. All right? Kindness, according to the Bible, okay, is an eagerness to put others at ease. This is amazing. Is an eagerness to put others at ease. It is a sweet and attractive temperament that shows friendly regard. Isn't that powerful? So it's also thinking about others. But it's thinking, you know what? How can I put, how can I make it comfortable for this person? How can I make the best atmosphere possible for this person that, that I'm here? The other day, you know, I, I, I wake up my boys and, and we pray in the morning. And, uh, and, uh, it's, it's interesting to, to wake them up in the morning and, and get them to pray. Cause if I, if I don't get them to pray and I try to wake them up, they won't wake up. But if I told them, Hey, we're going to the prayer sheep. We have a, uh, like a, a rug that's like a sheep. I tell them we're going to the prayer sheep and it's dark. They, they wake up and they go and it's good. And the other day we were doing the fruit of the spirit with the kids at home. And I asked my son, David, David, who, who, when you think of kindness, who comes to your mind? I, I want you to give me a visual. You know what he told me? My brother Jeremy. My brother Jeremy is kind, he told me. And Jeremy, my smallest son, he's seven years old. If you've ever come across him, he has this kind spirit about him. He's just kind. You know, he's the one that he's walking around and, and I'm like, Papi, un besito, give me a kiss. And he just stops whatever he's doing. The other ones are like, hey, I'm playing, you know, I can't. Uh, and Jeremy would just stop whatever he's doing, come and give me a kiss. And he's going to walk away. I'm like, mm, and what else? And he goes, abracito. He comes and gives me a hug too. I'm like, I stay there with him, you know. Then he's going to come and he's not going to want to do that. But there's a kind spirit about, about my son. And the other day, my wife and I were in a meeting. And uh, we were talking to some lawyers that, uh, by the way, we have the artwork about the, 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 what we're going to be doing with immigration. By the way, guys, not this Monday, not tomorrow, but next Monday, okay, we're going to have a, a workshop here, okay, from 7 to 10 on immigration. All right. If you are here in the United States illegally, okay, and you're trying to get your papers done, and now with the Biden administration, there might be uh, an easier way for you to be able to do that. There's a lot of laws that are being changed right now that may be favorable to you. So we're going to have, okay, we're going to have a workshop here, not this Monday, next Monday, seven o'clock at night, completely free. Okay. You can come and ask your questions. I'm going to have these three lawyers here. All right. Now, the lawyer that I have right over here, the blonde guy on the corner over there, my wife and I were meeting with these guys and we were putting this whole thing together for, you know, for, for, for what's going to happen. We were meeting with it. And this guy just sat there and just asked us questions. And, I, and when I got up, I told my wife, we were going to the car. I'm like, did you see the kindness of that guy? It was just something that came across. I mean, the other two guys, they were special and, you know, they're awesome. But this gentleman right here, there was just a kind, he would ask the right questions. Have you ever talked to somebody that when you're talking, they're not thinking to answer back. They're actually listening to what you're saying. 
and they ask the questions that make you like want to talk some more and, and go. That was that guy right there. So maybe you're not inter- interested in the immigration, but you're like, man, I want to meet that dude. You come next Monday. You know what I'm saying? Seven o'clock. All right. You guys could take that out. All right. Next Monday. Not tomorrow, guys. Don't show up here tomorrow at seven o'clock. You're going to see the gate is going to be closed. All right. Not this Monday. The following Monday immigration workshop is going to be powerful. All right. I want to say something about kindness. It's not weakness. Because a lot of us might think, oh, that person's kind. He's weak. No. The word for kindness Jesus also used was meek. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. And you think, oh, meek, kind. Oh, that guy's soft. That's like softness. Guys cannot be kind. No. That's not what it is. Is, is it, you, know why? you know why I know that? Because God is kind. Jesus is kind. And he is not weak. A lot of us have this picture, mental picture of Jesus being weak. Jesus is not weak. When he had to put some people in his place, the Bible says he made some whips of cord and kicked some people out of the church. And it got crazy. Imagine Jesus doing some of that stuff. And you're like thinking that Jesus is like lovey-dovey. He's like kicking people out, you know. It's like the Holy Spirit is kind. Jesus is kind. The Father is kind. How do I know that? Well, Romans 2.4. Write that down. Romans 2.4. Look what it says. It says, Or do you not think lightly of the riches of his kindness? The riches of his what? Of his kindness. And restraint and patience. Not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. I want to tell you guys something. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. It's not a preacher that's going to come up here, point your sins and say, you're a sinner and you need to. It's the kindness of the Lord. It's that mercy. It's that tenderness that says, hey, I know all your stuff. You know, Peter had that encounter. When he had gone fishing with Jesus and a miracle happened and Peter saw that kindness. And you know what happened? He told Jesus, Jesus, get away from me because I'm a sinful man. I imagine the piercing look of Jesus into his soul. But it was a look of tenderness, a look of love, a look of kindness. And that leads us to repentance. You know what leads me to repentance? When I know that God loves me so much that he's willing to to deal with stuff that I sometimes say, Lord, how can, man, if I was you, I would have sent lightning already and blown myself away, you know. (laughs) And God is still there. His kindness, his mercy. You guys listening to me this morning. And this world needs that kind of kindness. This world needs that. Listen, and, and I, I wanna, I wanna say this before I go into the, into the next point. The representatives of Christ. Who are those? All of us that are here that have received Jesus as Lord and Savior. We're His ambassadors. Kindness is a fruit that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in us so that we can be more like Jesus. I'm tired of seeing men and women of God that supposedly they're anointed, but there's no kindness in them. Because the harder they are, the louder they give their commands and this and this and that. You know, the closer they are to God. No, it's not like that. You could be kind and still be firm. You could be kind 
and still be decisive. You could be kind. Don't misinterpret a lot of the stuff that's going on out there, church. Always look at Jesus. Always look at Jesus. And when you see somebody that looks like Jesus, say, I'll follow. But when you see somebody like, man, I don't know if I would see that in Jesus. Then you think twice. Guys listening to what I'm saying? Okay, and the third quality, and we're going to wrap this up this morning. I don't know if I have any other dog stories in me, but I'm going to go into the third point here today. All right. Third quality of the spirit that I want to speak on this morning on the fruit is goodness. Goodness. All right. We talked about love. We talked about kindness. Another quality of the fruit of the spirit is goodness. Worship team, you guys could come up here with me already. The word goodness in the Bible, okay, it's a little different than what you and I might think it is, okay? But the original word used here in the Greek for goodness means generous and open-handed. Generous and open-handed. So goodness has to do with generosity. Goodness has to do with being open-handed. Okay? So the Spirit works in our hearts, church, to remove greed. Okay? Okay? And write a little bit in Galatians 5 before it gets to the fruit of the Spirit. If you go a little bit up to verse, yeah, I think it's 16, and I'm not mistaken, 17, it will talk about the flesh. And what are the qualities and the manifestations of the flesh? And one of those is greed. Well, the fruit of the Spirit, okay, is what? Is goodness. That is what? Is generosity. It's the opposite of greed, okay? It's, it's being open-handed. It removes selfishness from us. Now, I want to tell you, we need His goodness in our lives. We need His goodness in our lives. I need God's goodness in my life. We need church, okay, His goodness in the church, His generosity, His open-handedness towards us. We need it. You know, that when I was looking into this, I would have never thought that goodness meant generosity. Because generosity is one of our core values here at NUMA. And we have 10 core values. And generosity for me is a big one. Because church, one of the things that I've tried to teach you in these 10 years that I've been your pastor is to be generous. Because Numa Church is a generous church. We make a difference through our generosity. That means that we make our difference through the goodness of the Spirit through us. It's the Holy Spirit that is producing His goodness, His generosity to those that are out there. And it happens through us, all right? And actually, I want to say that is your generosity that is allowing us to make a difference around the world. It's the goodness of God. The word goodness, generosity, you can flip them here. And I want to share with you guys as we come to a close this morning, three projects that we're giving to right now, that we're, we're manifesting the goodness of God. We're manifesting His generosity. 
And, and one of those projects has to do with India. How many of you guys know that, that we are committed with Pastor Kirk to help India and we are committed with Hope Partners? How many of you guys know that? Okay, my wife and I, we were actually in India with Geraldine before the whole pandemic hit and we almost got stuck in India. That would have been, I don't even know what that would have been like. Oh my God. I think I would have called to see if Air Force One could have picked me up in India or something. I don't know. I, I don't even want to think of what that could have been like. All right. But I want to let you know that we're committed to India on a monthly basis. We're giving financially to India, to the hope centers and to the pride. But I want to let you know that India right now is suffering so much because of the pandemic. India could be at the moment one of the worst or hardest hit countries in the world, if not maybe the worst it's horrible. It's horrific what, what's happening there. Actually, I have a video. You got the video on India? I, I want you to look at this. This is reality right now from this week, what's happening in India. The situation in India is beyond heartbreaking. WHO is doing everything we can providing critical equipment and supplies, including thousands of oxygen concentrators, prefabricated mobile field hospitals, and laboratory supplies. The situation in India is really um, heartbreaking, as the Director General has said, and, the, and the, the exponential growth that we've seen in case numbers is really, truly astonishing. Hello, this is Joseph Thomas. I am the Director of Hope Center in India, Ajmer. As you all know that COVID has hit India very badly. A lot of poor people are suffering and they don't have medical assistance. A lot of deaths is taking place in every hospital. People are dying because of this, no having oxygens. And same thing is happening in our states. We have 125 girls in our Hope Center. Everybody is doing good. We are taking groceries to them every month. We are helping their families. And also our team, every day we are going to different communities and we are disinfecting their homes with sanitizations. Please help us. Thank you so much for your donations. Thank you so much for your sponsorship and your support. Please help us. We need your help whenever you can. Joseph Thomas for Hope Partner International. So you see that? What you were saying there, maybe you're like, what was going on with those little, uh, like, you know, it looked like tiki huts. They have so many dead that they're burning them on the streets. That's what they're doing. They're burning the dead people because they don't know what to do with all the dead that they have. We're giving to India. We're showing God's goodness in this season. Actually, my wife and I, we increased the giving to India. To help out in the midst of all this craziness that's going on right now. Because if some people need to see the goodness of God, let me tell you, it's people like this in the middle of a situation like this. That's one of the projects that, 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 that we're giving to. Now, two weeks ago, we had Pastor Israel Postar uh, come and speak. And, uh, and he was here speaking, and uh, the next day we, were, we invited him over for dinner, and we were at home, and we're talking, and we asked him, listen, how are, uh, how's the situation between Israel and Palestine, and how's that going? He goes, no, everything's been good, everything's been peaceful two weeks ago. And boy, do things change in one week. 
You guys have seen everything that's going on and all the bombings. And yesterday, I was going to do a live with Pastor Israel, and he couldn't even connect to the live. Because he was in his house in the bomb shelter because of all the sirens and all the stuff that was going on and all the missiles. And, and, and let me tell you something. We have partnered up with him and his church to show the goodness of God through that church, through that community. To be able to help people that are in need in this moment, in that land. And, and I want to tell you something. There's biblical prophecies that are being fulfilled right in front of our eyes, church. But I got to tell you, this morning, my heart is heavy. And it has to do with Pastor Larry sent me some pictures yesterday. Yesterday, I prayed for a pastor that he also spoke about in 2019, I believe it was. He spoke here. Pastor Javier Montenegro. And he, I preached in his church. And his church is in Beersheba. Beersheba is actually the first place that Abraham got to when he left Ur of the Chaldees. And he came to the land that God was going to show him. He, landed, he, he arrived in Beersheba. And Pastor Javier has a church in Beersheba. And we preached there. And we established a beautiful relationship with him. He's Argentinian, but with Jewish descent. So he and his family, they went to live over there. His daughter recently got married. And they're doing a great job with Hispanics and Latin Jews over there. I even met a Cuban Jew over there. Can you believe it or not? <laughs> Like, oh my God, you can't get rid of these Cubans, even in Israel, in Beersheba. <laughs> like, arroz con frijol en negro. I'm like, what is this? Like, Pastor Javier, like, este cubano hace un arroz con frijol. I'm like, what? <laughs> en un desierto. It's like crazy, man. Oh my Jesus. But yesterday I came across, Pastor Larry told me, do you know what happened to Pastor Javier? I have no, but the Holy Spirit yesterday. Put me to pray for him. And I had such a burden that I wrote him on my phone and I had no response. And I want you guys to see the pictures of what happened to Pastor Javier's home. Okay? That's him and his wife. And a missile landed on top of his house. God's goodness is so mighty and powerful that he has a water tank on the top of his house. And the missile landed on the water tank. Okay, but look at his home. That's his house. Actually, there's a, pia uh, a picture. You're going to see the piano. You're going to see the drum set. There's some pieces of the drums there and stuff like that. What happened? Oh, yeah. He was storing everything in his house from the church because of COVID. So, actually, today his daughter arrives here in Miami. She's going to be staying at Pastor Larry's house. And, uh, and, and when I saw these images, man, it hit me because this is a guy that we've sat for dinner together. We've talked together. We've prayed together. I've preached at his church. He's preached here. This is not like a face that you see on the news. This is a guy that was in my car on the passenger seat. And thanks God, with him being in the house, he, he's alive today. 
But you know what? We're partnering up and we're giving in the midst of this and we're showing God's goodness through these churches that are in the land in the midst of all the craziness. And today I'm not here to speak about who's right and who's wrong in the conflict. I wanted to let you know something. At the end of the day, God's heart is broken because of the situation that's going on. And we need to manifest God's goodness. That's what the church does. And today we're going to pick up our offering. And I told my wife, we're going to see how we have to send something. We have to send something to this pastor. Because right now he's in a shelter with his family. But we need to help him rebuild. And today I'm going to appeal to the generosity of this church so we continue making a difference. And then the third thing we've been given to is the project that we're doing here. You see, we want to continue making this place beautiful. And we want to continue hosting people in this place. I want to tell you how overjoyed was my heart on Friday. On Friday, I got it. We were here, you know, in the men's meeting. And afterwards, I went outside. And the youth usually have the youth meeting on Friday nights. And I went outside to the basketball court. And I saw so many kids, so many teenagers, people that I've never seen in my life in this place. And I'm like, where in the world are all these guys coming from? Where are they coming? And like, kids are just inviting other kids to come to service. And then after service, they go and play and, and they're there. And I was like, but oh my God, there was like a bunch of people. And let me tell you something. The things that we're doing here are not just improvements so that it could look better. No, it's for lives to be touched and lives to be changed and lives to be transformed. See, next week we're going to have a basketball tournament on, on, on Saturday. And I'm praying from now for next week. Because on Friday, I played with some dads out there. We played some three-on-threes. And yesterday morning, I was having problems going down the stairs, you know. I was feeling my 44 years of age, you know. I was like, oh, boy. What in the world is going on right here? <laughs> and next Saturday, we're going to do a three-on-three tournament. And Milton told me, hey, can we bring some people that don't come from there? I'm like, that's the purpose. The purpose is not to just us to have fun. No, it's, hey, bring this guy, bring that. Because there's going to be a moment that I'm going to stop all the games. And we're going to take 10 minutes. And we're going to share the gospel of Jesus in the middle of that basketball court. And that's what we're doing, church. Why? Because it's the goodness of God is His generosity that is manifested through us. And I want to tell you, church, I need us to continue. Okay? It doesn't just stop with the painting and putting some nice lamps on the wall. Okay? Now we're going into the carpet. All right? And it's expensive. <laughs> the seats, all right, they arrive in June. All right, we gave a deposit for the seats. People were asking me, Pastor, how much are the seats? I want to pay for some seats. Each seat, $89. Okay, we're buying 450 of them. All right, do the math. All right, so we're going to have to pay some hefty amounts coming up. Let's continue being generous. Let's continue manifesting God's goodness in this place because it's going to continue making a difference. Amen, church. Amen, church. All right, I just want to make sure I'm not preaching to myself this morning. All right. Love, kindness, 
goodness. Love, kindness, goodness. Love, kindness, goodness. I want you to close your eyes right there. It's the kindness of the Lord. It's the kindness of the Lord. It's this great generosity that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What does that mean for you and for me? Well, it means that we surrender to him. Because he's done so much for us. He's loved us so much. He's given so much for us. What does he want in return? He wants us to surrender to him, our lives. And a lot of us are counting the cost of surrendering. A lot of us are saying, well, I don't know if it's really, you know, and I want to do this and I want to do that. And if I really go after God, then I don't know if I'm going to be able to accomplish that. He has such an amazing life planned out for you. The Bible says that he prepared beforehand the works that he has for you to do. And you'll find fulfillment and joy in doing that. So this morning, I want you to just say to the Lord, Lord, I want to surrender to you. I want to surrender to you. And I want your Holy Spirit to produce that type of fruit that I'm listening today in my life. Just tell him that right there where you're at.
God our Savior revealed his kindness and love. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out his spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he has made us right in, the, in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. And this morning, I want to make an invitation. If there's people here today that are not sure that they've received that generosity from God, what generosity? The generosity of when the Father sent Jesus for you and me. And you've made that personal. You say, you know what? I received that. I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The Bible says that when you do that, you inherit eternal life. So if you're here this morning, you're watching online and you're saying, Pastor, I want to make that decision. I want to invite Jesus into my heart as my Lord and Savior. I want you to make this prayer with me with your eyes closed and your head bowed. Repeat with all your heart and say with me, Lord Jesus, today I make the decision to receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my sins, to graciously give me eternal life. Today I ask you for forgiveness for all that I've done. And from this moment forward, fill me with your Holy Spirit and let me live for the purposes that you have for my life. In Jesus' mighty name. And we all say, Amen.